customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Okay, James. I don't know if this works, but we're trying two mics. I think you sound better. Imagine imagine that. Imagine having two microphones. Two with microphones two for people. a two-man podcast. We can actually have a conversation now that's not us handing a mic back and forth. Yeah, so the only thing is you might be hearing me in mono and James in stereo. Is that right? Is that how it is? And that's what it seems to be doing. So yeah. we'll figure that out eventually, but we're going to try this. Hopefully this is listenable. Suffice. So we have to do a shout out to Corey, who I believe is from Oshawa, who hooked us up with a second mic. Uh, he works at Best Buy. Um, so shop Best Buy and uh, give Corey a shout out on Twitter for us. He's at CYF and the numeral 8. CYF8. Okay, I'm just constantly double checking to making to make sure it's actually. Working. I think we're just gonna have to just do it, and if people say it sounds like shit, then we'll we'll get it figured just, out. At least we have two mics now. Um, okay, hang on, let me get to our list of topics. Jonas just keeps playing with all the sound stuff, even though we don't know what we're even doing. We don't know where we're. We're doing. gonna get. You know what? We're gonna get this podcast figured out. We're gonna professionalize it. You know, we're going to we're going to start putting some more time and money into it. Yeah, I, re- I get so many requests for us to do more podcasts. Like I I get do you see that on Twitter? Like and in the comments, like I do the mailbag and it's like people just like asking when the podcast is coming. So we need to do the podcast more and we need to take it more seriously. And we will. We'll try harder. All right. Well, welcome to the Leaf Report podcast. Um, so I wanted to start today um, and talk about you were on the road trip. Tampa and Nashville. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get your impressions of what you thought or how you thought the Leafs looked against two, obviously, top teams in, in Tampa and Nashville. I thought it was really interesting after they lost to Tampa how I got to ch- talk to Ron Hainsey for about 10 minutes just one-on-one after the game, and he went on this long kind of rant. I don't know if it was planned or not <laughs> about how the Leafs play up to their opponents and when they Mm -hmm. play good teams they really elevate and they look like a different team and it's been interesting watching them play Detroit and Buffalo after that is the next two games and they definitely played down to Detroit I think they played better than Buffalo and they deserve to win that game but Mm -hmm. they should be way better than Buffalo right they shouldn't be do you think that's like a young team thing 
Like it's and like, also I think part of the problem is that they've been clinched since like January. Yeah, there's not a lot on the line. They've basically it was extremely unlikely they were gonna miss the playoffs in like on like January twentieth. Yeah, it's it's gotten hard not hard, but it's gotten interesting to cover these games and like you hear some of the questions that players get asked after the game. It's like, you know, was it important to bounce back after that first period? And it's just like me covering the game is thinking it doesn't even matter yeah. so like i can't imagine what the players are thinking like mike babcock obviously isn't thinking like that but i do think um i remember hainsey mentioning something along those lines to me in january he said like they're they almost play scared against good teams yeah um so they're like more alert more knowing that if you make a mistake you're likely to get burned and like you saw that against tampa like you let off the gas like a little and boom, like the game. They just came good. after them. It's like when that game was three nothing, then you could, like it was a different Tampa team. They were all over them in the offensive yeah. zone, and it was like they were pissed off or something. I was watching at a bar, and right when uh, they tie, or right when they scored the second goal, I'm, I was thinking to myself, like they're gonna tie. Leaves are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna lose. You can you just feel it. I don't know if that tells us anything about them. I was thinking when the Leafs were down 3 nothing, just like the next shifts right after that, Tampa just took it right to them immediately. And they looked really fast. And, like, they were not a team that was, like, deflated at all by that. And that's what John Cooper said. At, you know, he went in the dressing room in the second intermission, and he felt like they were still going to win. And they, well, were, they were down 3-1. And that's a team, like, that's been through so much. Like, right. They've been to cup finals, Eastern Conference final. I don't know. And maybe that, like, I just don't know that... I just don't know what it means. Like, Well, I think in a lot of ways it's not great that the Leafs are kind of going into the playoffs this way with like all of these games against bad teams that where they can kind of just play like okay. But aren't Tampa and Boston, I guess they're chasing something. They're chasing I each other yeah, at I least. This playoff format I'm done with. Like after this it year, sucks. after this year, like. Yeah, and the players well, don't be, like it either. Yeah, and actually, Nazem Kadri was talking about that after the game the other night, and he was saying that he didn't like it. JVR said he wants one versus eight, right? Because like, if you're the Leafs, I think they'd be the three or the four seed. Would it be the three seed? I think they'd be three. Yeah, if so you look at the, the East, it's seed. the three teams. So I think I, I looked at it last. I looked at it. That would mean that they would face Columbus in the first. When round I looked at it, they were facing of, Philly the last I looked. So so either way, like you're. Oh, you're actually, Washington has passed the Leafs now, so the Leafs are fourth. So the Leafs would play Pittsburgh in the first round. So that would be not easy for them either. But they would have home ice. Pittsburgh's only five points back of them, so it, that's that would be a tough. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe you would rather play Boston or Tampa than Pittsburgh. I don't know. I mean, pick your poison, right? Okay, but, well, that's actually on the agenda. Do you want to talk about that now? Picking your poison? Yeah, picking your poison. I feel like, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's this perception that's been created that the Leafs can't play Boston because Boston's way better. Boston is not, if Boston's better at all than Toronto, it's marginal. I think it's if a... If Tampa's better than Toronto, it's marginal. Like, the difference between these teams is not that much, but there's this, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because Boston has experience. Maybe it's because the Leafs are young and don't have like a track record but the difference between all three of these teams is not that much do you agree no i agree for sure i think any playoff series is the leafs are going to have a 45 percent to 50 percent chance of winning somewhere in that range like it's they're all close series all all of those three teams okay so I, the, the reason why i think boston might be a tougher matchup for the leafs is just a stylistic one you're checking your level to see if you're. Well, I'm just looking hot. I, no, I'm just stylistic one in terms of that Boston's a really good. Defensive they're a better team. defensive team. Like, yeah. look at the shots against. Look at the goals against that they mm-hmm. have compared to Tampa. Tampa's 
Tampa's goal differential is good because they score a lot of goals, not because they're like great Toronto. defensively. Yeah, they're more like Toronto. They're a lot like Toronto, and I think that that helps the Leafs. I think the Leafs, we've watched this team with this relatively this cast the last two years. I think they play better in those games that are more open where there's more scoring opportunities. I yeah. think they're good in those situations. I could see that. I think When some- they look really bad, it's like you get a team like Ottawa that clogs everything up, and they, the yeah. Leafs don't seem to they seem to have a hard time beating that sometimes and i know they i know the record against boston is really good but yeah. if you look past the record it's like all the they have been outplayed by boston yeah. in a lot of those games so every time i talk about how i think that the Leafs maybe don't match up that great against boston i get killed on twitter because but, people are like well okay only- so let's pick that apart because i'm not sure that that's completely true um, well, we're just saying, would you rather oh, like play? Yeah, you're would right. you rather play Boston or Tampa? That's the question. The question is not the Boston's going to shut the Leafs down. It's like which one? It's pick your poison. It's are you? Do you like rum or do you like bourbon or do you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know what the right answer is. I think it's really close. Did you see? I did a poll during that game, during the game against Tampa, and. I think that it got like 4,000 votes or whatever, and it was like 54% want them to face Tampa. It was higher before. I put it out like in the middle of the game, and then it started going down as, as Tampa came back. I'm just think, I guess I'm just thinking of it in terms of some of the matchups. So like if you're facing Tampa, that means in Toronto you're having Matthews or Kadri go head-to-head with Stamkos, and you're having the other line go... You know, head to head with Kucherov or Point. You know, Headman's I mean? like, a big factor. Boston doesn't have a headman. Chara is not. No, and Boston doesn't like after Boston's top line, they do not scare me if I'm Toronto. Right. And especially in 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 Toronto when you can control the matchups. So like those three games at the ACC, you can keep Matthews away from Bergeron entirely, and Kadri actually fares okay against Bergeron. And that was something I don't know why it stuck with me, but Bruce Cassidy mentioned that after a game in Boston earlier this year that the Kadri tends to give Bergeron a little bit of trouble, whereas Matthews he's just owned. So I don't know. I don't. You're right. It's close. Like it, I don't I, think I don't that think there's think a that. right answer. I mean, they're both going to be great series. I mean, selfishly, I want them to play Tampa because I would. Because of Florida. <laughs> well, I would. I don't know. But I don't know. Boston's more fun. I like Boston better. Boston's well, all the bars downtown close at like eleven thirty or whatever. That's like true. it's almost impossible. To, it, I found We're it. Be working I found it two in the morning. Anyway, I found it so really hard matter. to get a good meal in Boston after the game. Like it was, it, like in the, the last downtown Boston series. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in Boston. You've spent even more time there. Yeah, I like it. I'm more of a Tampa guy. Yeah, I'm not a Florida guy. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of the beat writers don't seem to like Florida that much. There's a lot. There's a lot there, man. It's a weird place, I know. Um, So this kind of brings me to um, the home record stuff. We didn't mention Bab Socks. Oh, yeah. We're sponsored by Bab Socks. I am wearing the the athletic socks, which are for sale for $15 Nice on babsocks.ca. Nice. Buy Bab Socks. Okay, good promo. Um, (laughs) Sorry I interrupted you. So the home record stuff... Um, they won 13 straight games at home, and I was wondering like what that all meant. Well, I think co- that those home road split stuff is yeah, just, so, it's kind of random, but right? So I'm going to connect it to the playoffs. Like I, The problem with that record and I guess what we see with them during the regular season, I just don't know what it means in the playoffs. Um, the only thing, it, it, it sort of, 
I don't need, like I just don't know how much you can draw from it. Like they're gonna get their three home games in the first round, and there's an advantage to that in that Babcock can control some of the matchups, and that's important. But I just don't know that them winning 13 straight games at home tells you that they're a dominant home team because I just don't know that they. Well, and their are. schedule's been shit, and it's too. just random. Like th- they played like these games over two net two plus months. You know what I mean? So right now, the Lee after losing to Buffalo. The Leafs have the eighth best record in the NHL. I think that's about right. I think they're in that six to nine range is what they are. That's what their record says. To, like, I think that that's right. They have 97 points. They're on pace for like 103 or whatever. It's but so gonna... do you think they have a home ice advantage? Oh, I, I see what you're saying. So you do, do I think that they are I'm better just at like home? I'm if there's any correlation between Well, this, it's funny if you look at the underlying numbers that there's a lot of guys that are better on the road for the Leafs. And I think yeah. their possession's better on the well, road. Well, we can actually go through some of that. So the, the interesting one is... Kadri. This gets into how they use players. Yeah, Kadri is better on the road than he is at home. And obviously the big difference there is on the road, he's not getting the toughest matchups. He's not getting buried. Um, and th- actually, we had an interesting article... Or you sent me an interesting article. Who wrote it um, about the way that they used... Was it Ian, Ian Tullock? Tullock? yeah. Yeah, so he wrote an interesting Who's now article. writing for us. Yeah, so his article basically got into uh, that maybe the Leafs are better not hard matching at home and just going the mm-hmm. same way that they do it on the road where they just basically... They've kind let, of moved in that direction a bit, right? They did, and now they've kind of gone back to it. Although... It'd be interesting to look at the... In the Buffalo game, he used both Kadri and Matthews against Eichel. But the Matthews point is... Got, like, Matthews got burned. Yeah. He gave the buck away and then got beat to the net. And was a- very angry. Yeah. So I guess, do you think there is any correlation between how a team plays at home in the regular season and how they fare in the playoffs? I just don't. No, I don't think so. Like, what is the, the home ice advantage in hockey beyond the matchup? Let's is put it anything? this. Let's put it this way, Jonah. There is a home ice advantage. Yeah, it's like fifty-two or fifty-three percent. So I think. Not, like, it's it's like it's, it's 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 okay. Um. But the thing is, is that so? Like over the course of let's say, 60 or 70 games, there's a lot of randomness in a team's record, right? There's PDO and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're looking at home road splits, you're looking at half of that. So there's even more, right? So yeah. there's even more. And that was the problem with like some of the Kadri offensive numbers. Like His shooting percentage was higher um, at home where he had generated... But you're getting more noise when you bring it down to a smaller... Yeah, and that's, that's the, problem the problem with home roads. And I think that that's what... I think Babcock knows that. Like, Babcock... He's, he said that, right? That yeah, like one he, year we're good at row on the road, one year we're good at home. Yeah, so like, he basically just said... What like, the f- it doesn't mean, like... The, I took out a line from my story. Good teams are good in, in, at home and, a, and a, on the road. Like, that's why they're good teams. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, there's just not that much of a difference. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> bringing up Babcock is, is a perfect segue. Um, the topic I have listed is Babcock versus Corsi. Oh, yeah. So I was gonna. I, I want to write a story called that. I don't know when I'm gonna get. To okay, do so it. you can kind of preview what you're gonna write. So this all comes from there was a quip he made um, about Roman Polak hitting someone during that road trip, uh, and DJ Smith saying to him on the bench like uh, Nashville early like, in the Nashville game he creamed a guy. So something along the Fisher, lines of I think. there's no Corsi rating for that or something. What's the Corsi rating for that? Right. Yeah. I do think Babcock has an appreciation of some of the advanced stats, including Corsi. Like, I, I don't think he's as regressive, maybe, as some people think. Um, I think he likes pushing back against people like you and I that talk about it and use it to make well, points that are counter, to, that, like, criticize some of the decisions he makes. Yes. So he, okay, so let's bring up that a That is examples. a shot back at all. It's funny. 
I, I didn't know this before covering the NHL, but the longer you're in it, like they they know what's being said. Like they they know. To me, that that is a little dig saying. Of course, he isn't everything. Basically, yeah, he's not saying not. no. And and anybody who that's this piece it. I was going to write is that we don't think Corsi is everything either. It's just yeah. what happens sometimes is that people treat Corsi as like a war number or like as like a yes, it says everything about a okay a so player let's go, or a let's team go into or an a example. situation. A perfect example is Roman Polak, uh, Connor Carrick. So Polak's possession numbers are not good. Carrick's are very good. Polak's if have been better just, lately. Yeah, and he's looked better. Um, but if you just look at that, you're completely ign- – and I've made this mistake, and I think I made it earlier in the year. If you just look at that, you're ignoring the way that they're used. And so he well, buries Polak in the right. defensive zone, whereas Carrick, he well, doesn't trust a lick in the defensive right. zone. And against good players. And, and against and- good players. So if you look at the way that they're used, that's the noise that I think that well, Mike and, and – yeah, some I, of the old school hockey guys would get frustrated with, and there's validity to that. Well, and the thing is, that, like you said, I think Babcock understands what course he is and what it isn't, and yeah. he gets. I think the frustration would be the part of what course he isn't isn't out there enough. Like, yes, we live in a world where there are tweets and there are little bite sized pieces of information, yes. and it gets sent out there, and it's like this guy's course he's this, this guy's course he's this, this yes. guy's better than that guy, and it's like. No. <laughs> yes, and and I've so made that mistake. That's what yep. everyone has made that mistake. Like it's, right. So like you could look at Ron Hainsey's possession numbers for the last little while, and they're not as good. They're bad. They're okay. So they're not great. What is it like forty six? Yeah, forty six. Yeah. But then you have to remember: a, he's Ron Hainsey. B, he's like 36, turning thirty seven, and he's getting the hardest matchups. He's starting. Tons of shifts in the defensive zone. Playing a lot all of against minutes. good players. He's he playing was, a lot of he minutes. He was ill. He was so like. There's a lot more to it than just that. The problem with where Mike I think is wrong sometimes is there was a stretch there where he was giving Polak really hard minutes, and he wasn't succeeding at it. Like when you're forty percent possession, and you're getting those hard matchups. That's suggesting that you're not doing well with it. Like you're getting snowed under, and that maybe it's not wise to continue using. I think some like people that. take that comment to mean Mike Babcock thinks possession and all that stuff and, he and analytics is useless. But that's that's there's, not true. There's like, just more to it, and I think sometimes we have to do a better. Guys job like Jim Hiller and on the coaching staff, yeah. they're looking at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I've said this before on the podcast, maybe last year. All Mike Babcock gives a fuck about is winning. That's all he cares about. Like yeah, he does not. That's the funny thing. All he cares about with, like, so like the William Neander at center conversation. If he thinks like Neander being at center will help them win, he'll do it. If he thinks like it's actually going to hurt them, he's he not won't. adhering to some. He, right. he just wants the team to do well. And right. does he, is he always making the right decisions? No, because no, he has no one, spots. no one would always make the right decision. Like it's just no. We all have blind spots, and he has blind spots. He has an affinity for guys like Polak, Komarov, like Komarov, and like Ben Smith, like guys who are like really hard and tough, and like that's his that's his blind spot. And I think sometimes that does get in the way. Um, but like Carrick is a good example of for a while. Like I was looking at his, you'd look at his possession numbers and you you look at his season. You say he's been good. And then you watch him a little closer. I'm not sure. I don't think he's been very good. I don't think he's been very good. And I don't. And I can see why. Mike, Even though he's at 53 percent possession, right? And I could see why Babcock wouldn't 
trust him in a lot of situations and why he would feel like I can only use this guy in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? A little bit of panic, right? Like yeah, a little not bit good under pressure. A little bit of Marincin in there. Yeah. And so when game one of the playoffs happens and the playoffs in general, unless there's an injury, Polak will be playing. Not that Polak doesn't panic also. Like Well, because he's not as skilled. Right. But like Mike would actually feel like he can trust Polak who's played in the league a long time. Like he he, he knows what to do even if he's not always good at doing it. That makes sense. It's interesting. You know what I you know what I think of it kind of like Jonas is that everyone that is either in hockey or in the media or whatever, everyone's got a line in terms of eye test, numbers test yeah. that where they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Babcock's line is different than you know, Carlisle's line is all eye test or or whatever. Yeah, and, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Babcock's more in this direction and you and I are more you know, we look we believe in the numbers kind of thing is and then Everyone has that balance. Well, so what do you think clicked for him um, January 22nd? The date is, like, memorable. Uh, the team lo- wasn't didn't play well. Well, they lost to Colorado in their fourth line. You wrote a story, and I wrote about the GOAT. Was that, that the game ago. that they lost? The yeah. Colorado game? Was, yeah. Was, huh. That was after, after that. It feels like longer than that two was months la- ago. I know. That was the last game that Martin and Goche played on the fourth line. And after that... That was a home game, was, right? That was a home game. And yeah. then the next game in Chicago, Kapanen was brought up. Moore was in for a go I remember the headline the on my story was the fourth line is killing the Leafs again or whatever. And, yeah. And go- so, got banished the next day. But so what do you think it was? Because I wrote a story like a week and a half before, and the question, I think the headline was, like, they, is, is Frederick Goche an NHL They realized player? it wasn't working. They, they It wasn't just Goche either. It was like a, a bunch of different things. It was, yeah, sure. But it's interesting, though. I mean, like... I guess maybe you just watch. Their possession and stuff like that's still not that great. They're still giving up a lot of shots on goal a lot of nights. They're still... You're talking about the fourth line? No, or like just the, the team. Yeah. The team is still... Sometimes they look underwhelming for a team that's going to have 103 points this year. I wonder what that... I wonder if some of that is youth. Like, I wonder how much of that is... I wonder how much of it is the system that they play. Yeah, Like, they be. don't come out... They don't exit the zone with possession as much yeah. as they did last year. And they, it doesn't It doesn't look like they're trying to. Like, um, well, that the winning back. goal against Detroit is a good example where... Hammered up the boards, right? Yeah. And it... Like, it could have got stopped there at the line. But I think Marner... But we've helped. talked about this before. I think that's a season-long preparation for how they're going to play in the playoffs. Right. As opposed to last year where they played one way for four or five months and then slowly changed. Like in March, they were a totally different team than they were in October. But they weren't like this. No, that's true. It's interesting that Babcock has decided that this is the way they need to win in the playoffs. Like the the hammer it out, chase it through the new Well, maybe zone. he just thinks it's going to be like a minefield getting through the new yeah. zone. And this is... That's kind of what... Yeah. Yeah. That it's... That his... Yeah, even a team this skilled isn't going to be able to get through. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, for yeah. sure. And he might be right. I don't know. Like, we'll see. We can evaluate in the playoffs if he's right or wrong. Um, so maybe he's, maybe, like, possession to him is not as relevant because... Well, and, like, you've gone into this before. Uh, their scoring chance numbers are still really good. I think their high-danger scoring chance numbers yeah. are still really good. Yeah, they're, like, near the top of the league in those They ones. shoot... Yeah. They have the closest shooting distance in the league. Like, they... Maybe they've like kind of. Well, and they, I think they think in their end they're they're keeping it out of. Yeah. Danger zones. And generally they do a decent. Not always. I wouldn't be surprised if they have numbers on, like shot quality against that they feel show 
Polak better than what what we what we see. He's a good penalty killer. Yeah, not like not outstanding, not ridiculous, but, like, but yeah. yeah. Um, Polak should probably, if he's in the lineup, should only be playing like fourteen minutes. And some games lately, he's been playing over twenty. Well, some of that, like, well, now he's on their first penalty killing unit, so there's that. Um, the other thing is like, and this is like the elephant in the room. So last night. Recording this on Tuesday against Buffalo, he played 17 minutes. Against Detroit, he played 16. Against Nashville, he played 21. Mm-hmm. Tampa, 18. Montreal, almost 20. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a little much. Um, but the the Zaitsev thing still isn't going great. He gets burned on that Jack Eichel winner. I guess part of it is are you leading or trailing in the game? And when they're leading, they're going to go right. to Polak yeah, that's more. True. And, yeah. I'd like to see Dermot play more. That's one of the questions I got in the mailbag that that's going to be coming out later today. Is that you know the I, problem is like he's a left shot, so who's he going to play more than? That's true. I would just whenever they're trailing in a game that he should be out there with. I think he does use him more. He does, but he waits till real late in the game. Yeah, so he played just under eighteen minutes against Buffalo, Dermot. Um, okay, let's keep going. Um, so Kadri hit thirty goals last night, Monday night for the second straight year. Um, first, I want to ask you if there's if you think he's now just like a thirty goal guy, or do you think he's just like a twenty five eh, to thirty goal? It, it's range? hard to hit thirty goals every year. I mean, but he's going to be in that range. I, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Is that a surprise? Like when he was drafted, I did not. I mean, he needs to stay in that top power play unit to get that many goals. He's getting yeah, a lot of true. goals there. I don't well, know what the power play unit's going to look like next, next year. year. Yeah. He's in that that spot. Like Babcock kept saying it over and over again last year. Like he got asked about Kadri scoring more goals, and he's like, "Well, he's in that spot. He's in that spot. He's in that spot on the power play where he can just yeah, it's, it's a high tip. Yeah, it's just about how like, he's he good doesn't have a powerful shot. He just is nope. has a fast. Yep, and he's release. good at reacting around the net to loose pucks. Good hands. Like, good like he's hands. always had all that stuff. It's just I, th- I think Jim Hiller deserves a lot of credit for. Well, let's the guess power mate, plays. What do you think the first power play will look like next year? It'll be Matthews, Neil, well. Maybe I should stop myself there. How is Marner not on your first power? Marner oh, no, he has to be. F- he has to be. Yeah. And so maybe... Maybe it's Matthews, Marner, Kadri. Yeah, they are going to. Yeah. Do you put Nealander on the same one? Like, maybe you have Matthews and Marner on the same power could play. Nealander, Nealander is like could Nealander do the Bozak role? Yeah, well, he would be a more lethal He's a right version, shot. obviously, of that. I yeah. think you load up that first unit. Maybe you go... Yeah. Marner, Kadri, Matthews, Nylander, Riley. Yeah, maybe that's it. I think you've got the right shots to do that. And then your second is Marlowe, Johnson. Although, who's taking the JVR role in that situation? Matthews? No, you don't want Matthews there. I don't know. They're going to have to figure that's that gonna out. It's going to be interesting. Um, okay. And then your second unit might not be that, that good if you well, do that. Well, your second unit that. would be like Marlowe, Brown, Janssen, uh whoever they get. To replace some of these guys, maybe. Well, that's it. They're going to have to. I mean, if Nylander's not playing center next year, they have to get a center. The other thing that's interesting that I got asked about in the mailbag a lot is John Carlson on defense and whether or not. He's a right shot. He will he's cost, good. He will cost a he, lot. He will, yeah. I don't know that he. Com- I would go for him. Well, the, the issue is if you. Okay, there's two issues as I see it. Um, one, if you don't go for him. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Like, are you gonna overpay? I think you get Joey him and Carlson? and you move one of your other right D. Like, if you can get rid of Zaitsev somehow, or well, you, or maybe you, you just Hainsey push everyone or, down. I mean, when you run into cap problems, you you gotta like. Well, what do you think John Carlson costs? Actually, the other thing that could happen is that you move on from Gardner 
So what you're doing is you're it, well, not the, not the, next year, but the year after. Dermot comes up in your top four. Yeah, that's conceivable. So it's it's turning Gardner a left shot into Carlson a right shot. Carlson yeah. is going to be very expensive, but I think he's really good. What are we talking? Like seven, eight? Uh, probably, yeah. Seven by seven for or something. Seven? Like, it's a, it's a lot. But I don't know what the other answer is for them on right D. Well, the other answer is, like, you wait till the following summer. Another year passed? No. That's the other thing. I'm not sure I would... Yeah, You and can't I'm not punt sh- another year. With, yeah, that's true. And I'm not Like, sure. if they don't win... This year, it's because they're D, probably. They have the offense, and Anderson's probably good enough to win. I'm also not sure about signing, like, a Doughty or Carlson. No. Like, I'm no. not sure that that's no. a good idea. No. Because they're going to get 12. I mean, I would much rather have Carlson for 7 than one of those guys for 12. Yeah, and so, like, next year it wouldn't be a problem for them. But after that, it would be an issue, right? If Let's say you sign Carlson for some 7. Some of those guys, like, yes. That's when it becomes an issue, right? Well, and some of those guys, I think... They've, like, won a Norris Trophy. They've been in the press a lot more. Like, Carlson's really good. Like, I don't think he's... Obviously, those those they're fantastic players, but they're getting older. They're going to well, decline. Yeah, and like, the most important thing is, is this player worth, like, a bargain on his cap hit? Is he worth his cap hit? Right. And probably how, not. Like, like how they, are you going to be worth $12 million it's, yeah. it, when you're 29 years old? Yeah. So I've been watching Dallas a little bit because they've really fallen apart. Like mm-hmm. Jamie Benn's eight year deal, nine and a half million a year, just started this year. Yeah. Eight years still to go. And they're all over him there. I think he only he's only got like sixty seven points or whatever. Yeah. It's like if he's declined already and his deal's just starting now. Well, and you look what's happened into- in Chicago and the Leafs cannot do something like that. Well, they're gonna have to be more cold hearted. Like you're just gonna have to part with players. Um before they drop off. And that's where, like, the Van Riemsdyk thing is interesting. Because, like, he, he could get 40 goals. And yet I don't know if it's a good... I'm not sure what I would do. I'm not sure if I'd go more than four years. I, no. like, I, I don't know. I don't think the Leafs should make him an offer. He's not know. what they need. He's not... Yeah. I think you'd, I'd rather You have to have make a, hard decisions, right? That's And that's, right. that's the hard decision that they've made there. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect example, actually. That's a hard decision. Well, because he's had a really good year, and he's like he likes playing in Toronto, and he would probably sign here for a little bit less than he'll sign elsewhere. Right, like if he would do six by six, which I think you reported. Yeah, I think he would do that in Toronto. I wouldn't do that if I was Toronto. No, and I think that that's what they've decided. I mean, it seems pretty clear that's what they've decided. Yeah. Okay, so the question I wanted to ask you, actually related to Kadri and thirty goals, of this group, who do you think is the most likely to become a thirty goal scorer? Marner, Nylander, Janssen, Kapanen, Brown. You can even rank them. Nylander. Nylander, and then Marner. And then the other guys I don't think will get 30 goals. Yeah, I think Nylander's a 30-goal guy, eventually. I like the way he... He's got a hell of a He hasn't produced on the power play this year for some reason, but last year he was lethal there. And yeah, he can shoot really well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the last time I checked, he's shooting about the same on the power play as last year. And, like, his shooting percentage, if I'm not mistaken, has just gone down. Right. So. That's not going to go forever. Yeah. But I, how none, much do you think none of those guys might get 30 goals regularly because they're passers. A lot of a lot of them. Well, the funny thing is, like, Marner is a passer a and Marner has 20 goals. Right. And doesn't have a great shot and has 20 goals, which is weird. Yeah. I would say he's like, probably in that 20, Like, does Patrick have a great shot? You know what the wild card in this is that? You look at the ice time that these guys are getting right now, and as they move into their prime, that could go. And as and as the Leafs aren't as deep at their third and fourth line, they could be playing a lot more. Well, and I, how much of an impact do you think it has on Neander 
as a goal scorer playing with Matthews? Like, do you think he becomes oh. more of a goal scorer playing well, without him or playing with him? That's a good question. If you look at that line, the shot production, I th- he doesn't shoot a lot, right? Matthews is generating most of it, right? Yeah, he's more the creator than when he plays with Matthews. That's why I think he's so interesting. Like, he's such a good passer, but he has like this. Yeah, great shot. His dad was a ridiculous passer, like yeah. top five in the NHL, but didn't shoot like that. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Like I'm working on that uh, big feature about Neander. He doesn't play like his dad at all, really. Like obviously he's a good passer, but like he looks. His, I guess it's just his vision is is the way that Neander can map the whole offensive zone, like in his brain, yeah. is like that. Is like his dad. It's like a spatial awareness or something. Maybe it's just that players his age now have so much more skill. Like they come up just, I don't know. Yeah, I, the like stick, that was something. The Bozak, stick technology's changed. Yeah, Bozak like, mentioned that to me. Like when he said, even now, like versus the guys coming up, like he didn't have some of the skill development stuff that any of these guys have now. No, and you can see it. Well, that's why. That's part of why the league's turning over real fast. Is that teams are realizing that the nineteen-year-olds coming in are better than a lot of the twenty-nine-year-olds? Because I remember Eric Fair. I had that big conversation with yeah, him at right. training camp. He you talked, wrote a whole story about. Yeah, this. He t- I wrote. I talked to like the older guys, and and Fair went on and on and on about like he grew up in the farm in Manitoba, and he just like played junior hockey and was like one of the best kids all the way going up. But he never had any of that stuff. Well, so this is a perfect segue um, into and the fourth line. Can you line. pick that up when you're 25 years old? Probably not. No, you can't. You look at the stick skills that Nylander and, and Marner and, and Matthews, even Dermot. I was watching Dermot against yeah. Buffalo. Dermot was making some plays with the puck against Buffalo that are that you just not very many. No. Yeah. Like he was, he, he was doing, he was like banking. Someone was challenging him and then he would bank the puck off the boards like at his own blue line, which is mm-hmm. like, you weren't expecting it, and yeah. then it was a it was a good clear. Like it went right to a teammate. It's like almost like a pool shot. When Matthews yeah. does that a lot, yeah. But it's, so, it's really interesting. It's it's fascinating watching these kids because we haven't, other than Kessel, who was kind of, I think he was just more like one dimension. Yeah, like he just was naturally, incredible. but he was more one dimensional too. It's like speed burst, flick the shot. Yeah. Like, like it was kind of uh, repeating the same thing over and over again. True. Whereas these kids are more like painting a picture or something. Like, there's like more. They do things all the time. I remember right when Matthews first started, and it's like I haven't seen that before. Well, it's just their skill with the puck is yeah. incredible, and the way they skate. You know how hard it is to handle a puck with a s- stick. Like yeah. it's. Well, and it's like Neiler has this thing where difficult. he like slows down and he like wheels and he's like surveying the ice. Do you remember against Buffalo when he had the puck and he's in the offensive zone and he rides it right along the blue line? Yeah, like right. A, I heard the like someone in the broadcast booth behind me go like whoa, or, or one of the coaches or something. Like it was just like yeah, he had a player right on him and he's just the the um, I'm trying to think of the right word. The precision they have with the puck is keeps going up. Well, and it's the same thing like in basketball. It's happening is like. They're just, they've just, the skill development, I just think, is so much higher. So the guy, the way that a guy can handle the ball in the NBA now is just, like, it's light years ahead. And then there's, like, all this, the way that you can take care of yourself physically. Like, look at yeah, look at yeah, the way yeah. Tyler Bozak looks physically versus the way William Neander looks. Right. Like, Neander's, like, a bit of a specimen. Yeah. His legs are, like... Right. But so this kind of brings me to... What seems to be changing, and, and, the, and the fair is kind of a Eric Fair is like a perfect preview of that. The way that fourth lines are changing now, yep. and you can like you look at that fourth line that they dress against Buffalo, where you have Janssen, 
Uh, you have Kapanen and Plikanich is like, a, well, let's not include him in this. A throwback. But like, yeah. how can you not look at that fourth line and be like, holy shit. Well, it's been one of their best that's lines like, last. How many games has Janssen played? Seven? Six. And three on the fourth line. But like, or maybe it's more than that. Last three on the fourth line. Um, but like, how can you not look at that and be like, that's just a change that's what team, in the way. That's what's happening around the league. Yeah. That's like you because look at, how can you not watch that and be like, we need more of that? You watch the Devils and they got all these little speedy guys that you haven't really heard of that are, yeah. and Colorado's done that to an extent. And like well, those those teams were bad last year, and they just brought in all of these younger, speedier, skilled guys. And it's like now teams are having a hard time handling them. And well, it's like why wouldn't you want another line that's like dangerous and fast? And it's scary. gonna happen. I know for a fact that Kyle Dubas believes in that. He's talked about it before. He did it in like did one he of the doing in the suit. Yeah, one of the things he did in the OHL is that he had a small, skilled fourth line that and no one was doing that in the OHL. I think he would do it here if he's if he's the GM of the Leafs or wherever he's the GM. Well, and like you look at like potential playoff series against Boston or Tampa, both those teams have that. Like, they're not, I guess what I'm saying is they're not dressing those old school fourth lines. Like, those are becoming less yeah. and less. Yeah. Um, and fourth so, lines play quite a bit. Like, if you just it, take out yeah, special teams, right. take out special teams. Like, people think, like, oh, they're only playing 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, but they don't play special teams. So, if you take out special teams, you just look at even strength. Even strength in a game, I, I, it's like 48 or 50 minutes a game is even strength. Mm-hmm. They're playing 20% of the even strength minutes. So... An equal share would be twenty five percent. Like it's, pr- they're playing pretty close to the minutes of the second and third line, right? And so it matters is the point. Well, and so like and, if, you, and if other teams aren't doing that, there's an edge that you can get when you've right. got your fourth line on on their fourth line. If they're making the wrong decisions and thinking they need a Ben Smith back there or whatever, then right. And you can be a team that can if you can get like an extra goal from your fourth line every ten while, games or whatever. Yeah, especially in the playoffs. Like that was the point I tried to make. I wrote about Andreas Johnson. And we can get to this um, being an option. Janssen uh, being an option for them in the playoffs. Like if, eventually, like in the playoffs, generally, like the top two lines cross each other off, and then it ends up like a lot of the time, not always. It ends up being like, can you get goals from like your fourth line? Like when the Penguins they did won last the year against Washington. Remember Boyle and Kapanen and with the right, big Kapanen goals. Kapanen scored big goals. Was that game one or game two? Game one two. Of the, one of the early games in Washington. Yeah. Right. So. The problem with Janssen is like there just isn't a spot. I don't know where you put him. There's a spot if you sit Uncle Leo. But I can make the case that, that I I can go both sides on this because if you have uh, Janssen on the fourth line instead of Komarov, it's a way faster line. It's way more scary offensively. But I can understand why Babcock would want Komarov in the lineup. Like He's someone he can trust offensively. He's a good penalty killer. Like, I can understand why he would Kumarov, feel like... Kumarov, in his defense, has looked a lot better since he's been... Yeah, lowered in the line. Yeah, he's, he looks a lot better. Is there any kind of case... This is what I've been racking in my mind. Is there any kind of case of playing him ahead of Kapanen? Or no? I like what Kapanen's done. I, I think, just think he's earned his spot. The way I looked at it was, I think Janssen does a little bit more. Like, he can play on your power play. I think he can score. I think he's probably a bit more skilled. But the one thing with Kapanen is that speed is such a scary thing for opponents, I would think, because like he catches you once a game, twice a Look game. Look at the goal that Matthews got against Nashville. Yeah, that Kapanen is the one that 
blazes right. through the neutral zone and then opens up all the well, ice. So, like, it makes you think that let's okay, let's do hypothetical. Let's say they can't find another center to be their third line center. They're like, okay, well, I guess Nylander's gonna have to play as our third center. Mm-hmm. Um, Kapanen is the natural fit, probably yeah. to play with Matthews. And oh, I didn't think so, but yeah, maybe. So who would you put there, Marner? Well, I I had Brown, but like that, I could see Kapanen. Get Kapanen and Hyman there, and and Matthews finishes off everything they create. I mean, their possession will probably be really good. Yeah, or you play Kapanen with Nylander, but yeah. Yeah, that's true too. But I just think that there's he's such a weapon with his speed it's in the on the penalty kill too. Well, Kapanen's got what eight or nine goals in seven. Oh, you mean in his career? Uh, I was Last think, night, I was thinking this year. But Monday he, night would have been his fiftieth NHL game. He's but. This season, Kapanen's on pace for about 18 goals, playing for like playing, not playing a lot. Like he's starting to, it's starting to come for him offensively. And if you look at his AHL and his uh, Finnish league, Finnish league numbers, he wasn't a goal scorer, and then that started to come in the AHL. He started to be more of a a threat that way. He has a good shot. He doesn't use it all the time, right? I don't think he's. I think he's a guy that can still get better. Like he, I the, do too. the tools there are really interesting. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is Janssen's a bit older. Janssen's 23. Right. Kapanen's 21. Yeah, for sure. I like both the players. They're both going to be... Yeah, either way. They're both going to be in the top nine next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think Janssen could be a guy who scores 15 to 20 next year. Yeah. His work ethic and and his... Oh, yeah. Mike's going to love him. Yeah. Like, he's just plucky. He works hard. Yeah. He skates well. Like I think Babcock. Born. If you talk to Born about Janssen, like not yet, he, but he's running some good. He stuff. will go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. You can see why he'll be one of those guys, like Babcock. Like Born pours over the video and did like for years and like with the Marlies, and he's just like a guy that every coach will love because. And if you if you, I don't know. It's hard to do this on the broadcast sometimes, but like being at the game, if you just ISO watch him, I was yeah. doing it with the Nashville game because I was thinking about writing about him and, and Kapanen and the decisions and, and how they're going to help their lineup next year and all those kinds of things, um, which I didn't end up doing because Matthew scored that ridiculous goal. But I was just, they only played like nine or 10 minutes against Nashville. I was just watching him, just watching him. And the, the speed not only creates offense, which is obvious because you see that on camera all the time, but it, it really hinders other teams from creating anything. Mm-hmm. They the Nashville had a really hard time well, they're getting all through the there, neutral right? zone. Yeah. They had a really hard time getting through the neutral zone against Janssen. Yeah. Okay, we have to wrap. You got places to be. I got places to be, people to see. But we'll do this next week. Things, Last week things is to see and season. people to do. Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not what's happening. Uh, anything else you want to add? Podcast brought to you as always by Babstox. Let us know if this. Yeah, let us know what you think of the audio. Yeah, we're gonna. We'll fix it. Yeah, we're thinking of doing um, two things. We're thinking of doing a podcast in the playoffs after every game, or every, maybe every off day. If maybe. I think we can do it after every game, like a twenty minute something. And also, we're thinking of setting up a Patreon account where you can contribute to the podcast, and we will invest that money in a producer and and. Andrew Nolan equipment and all of those things so if you like either of those ideas let us know okay thanks for listening thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle 
down, she gon' turn around and I'ma kick her out. She gon' tie that shit beside Hey, How you make it up? How you fake the love? Holy son, I was the chosen one. I'm sipping out the grass, don't kiss the touch. Keep my wishes well, I don't need a while. Yeah, how my enemy a